Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. thegodwhospeaks.org Good morning and welcome to the broadcast today. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the host of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. I'm filling in for Dan Celia as he recovers from COVID pneumonia, and it's a joy to be with you today. The desire of my heart is to speak the truth in love to proclaim real truth, real love, and real hope from the loving heart of God. We live in a world today filled with lies and liars, men who are deceived and deceiving, and we desperately need to hear the truth of God's love. You know, Paul told Timothy in the very last chapter that he ever wrote before he got his head cut off, Second Timothy chapter four, verse one, I solemnly charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. He says the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but they're going to want to have their ears tickled and they're going to gather for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And they're going to turn away, turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. So it is incumbent upon every preacher to preach the truth of the Word of God. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't uh, equivocate with it. Don't say, well, I know it says this, but it doesn't really mean that because our society, blah, blah, blah. No, you tell people the truth. You preach the truth and preach the Word and speak the truth in love. Listen, the truth, as he says in 2 Timothy 4, 2, reprove, rebuke exhort. Three things we're supposed to do as preachers. Reprove, that's negative. Rebuke, that's negative. Exhort, that's positive. Of the three things, two of them are negative. People are, uh, they have wandered away from the truth and they need to be called back to the truth. So my calling from the Lord, as a, along with every other preacher, speak the truth in love in season and out of season. Tell people what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. When I was in college, my pastor was Harold O'Chester, and uh, he preached a sermon one time, and the sermon was titled, I'm okay, you're okay, bull. I'm okay, you're okay, bull. You're not okay. I'm not okay. We're sinners before God, and we desperately need to get right with him. Now, as we speak to Christians and help Christians 
live out the truth of the Christian life and enjoy the life God wants us to have, a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, a life controlled by the Holy Spirit of God and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. One of the big uh, clubs that keeps us beaten down that the devil uses time and time and time again is the billy club of guilt. Guilt over past sins. Now, what I have found is that we can mentally, emotionally deal with terrible, horrible sins that we had before we came to Christ. And in the, the lives of uh, most Christians, they say, okay, well, I was, I was lost. I didn't know Jesus, and I did these terrible sexual sins. I had an abortion. Uh, I cheated on my spouse. I lied at work. I, I, uh, I embezzled, whatever it might be. I did this, this, these terrible things, moral, uh, morally rep- reprehensible things, but I explain that by saying, I didn't know the Lord. And then I came to know the Lord and he changed me from the inside out and he washed me white as snow. So we can say, this is the way I was, the Apostle Paul, hey, his testimony, I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, but I found mercy in the Lord and he changed my life and I am a trophy of God's grace. Where we struggle in the Christian life is not what we did before we came to Christ that was that were terrible things. It's since we've come to, come to Christ and we've done terrible things. You know, that's the, the bottom line for you, for me, for us. We still have things in our lives, even in the Christian life, that we're ashamed of, things that we've done, uh, things in our secret life that... Uh, don't get a lot of airplay, so to speak, things that we cover up, things that we don't share with anybody else, but things that haunt us because they are guilt-producing things. So often those are uh, sexual things that haunt our mind and, uh, and just gnaw away at our conscience. You know, the word uh, remorse is connected to guilt. It's a very interesting word. It comes from the Latin re, which means again, and mordere, which means to bite or gnaw. What is guilt and re- what is remorse? It's this awful feeling where your conscience is being gnawed away over and over and over again over something that you did, something that brings such tremendous shame. Hey, it's very difficult to live the Christian life and to experience the joy of the Lord when your conscience is being gnawed over and over again. There's a poem I like from a a Latin poet. His name was Juvenal, and it says this, Trust me, no tortures which the poets feign can match the fierce, the unutterable pain he feels, who night and day, devoid of rest, carries his own accuser within his breast. Are you carrying your accuser within your breast? Are there things in your life 
that you feel guilt-ridden over? Dr. Hobart Marer was a psychologist and a university professor and the former president of the American Psychological Association. He did extensive research on the subject of guilt. And he said this, while there are substantial indications that some people do have a biological chemical disorder that manifests itself in mental abnormalities, the record offers persuasive evidence that much mental illness stems from the old-fashioned toxins of sin and guilt. In hours and hours and hours of counseling, that's what he found. People are guilt-ridden, and it's causing them to have mental and emotional breakdowns. And if they could learn how to resolve their guilt, they would get better. So I want to talk today about the subject of guilt and help Christians especially deal with guilt, the guilt that they feel for actions that they committed as a believer in Jesus. Now, our poster child for a Christian who is fouled up in tremendous guilt is King David. King David loved the Lord with all his heart. He's called in Scripture, Acts 13, a man after God's own heart. Uh, he is my favorite Old Testament character, King David. But David had a problem with sin that led to tremendous guilt. We're going to talk about his life and we're going to talk about how he dealt with the guilt that came from the sin he committed. You don't want to miss today. It's going to be helpful. It's going to be freeing. God has a word today in this broadcast for you. We're going to be, we're going to be taking your calls uh, later in the broadcast, so I'd love to talk to you about this. It's going to be a great broadcast. Don't go away. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, my name is Todd Friel. I am the host of Wretched Radio, heard right here on American Family Radio from 10 p.m. till midnight Central Standard Time. Not to brag, but Wretched Radio from 10 p.m. till midnight is the single best Christian radio program on American Family Radio at that time period. 
That's right. We hope that you'll join us Saturday night. See for yourself from 10 p.m. till midnight for Wretched Radio on American Family Radio. Some people are fascinated by the topic of Bible prophecy, while others can't imagine how it's relevant at all to their lives. So what does God's plan for the future have to do with how we should live right now? This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains why every Christian ought to study the end times. Join us for a series called Perfect Ending, starting this week on Pathway to Victory. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio. Well, we're talking about the subject of guilt. How do we, as Christians, deal with guilt? What do we do when we know the Lord and we love the Lord, but we blow it in such a big way and in such a way that just haunts us day after day after day. Well, David, a man after God's own heart, a man who loved God and walked with God and wanted to glorify God, when he was probably in his 50s, he had experienced a lot of victories in his life, and the scripture tells us it was in the spring of the year, the time that kings go out to battle, that David stayed home. He, he just says, ah, oh, Joab, you go, you take the armies, you, you um, fight the battles. I'm going to just lay around the palace. Well, that was not good. He started to coast in his Christian life. He started to get casual in his uh Christian commitment to the Lord. We say Christian from an Old Testament perspective, but he just wasn't uh, pressing forward. He wasn't doing the things that that he was supposed to be doing. So he wasn't where he was supposed to be. He should have been out in battle, but he was at home. He was lounging around. It says at evening, he got up from his bed. Uh, most people go to bed at evening, but he is laying in bed all day. He sees a woman bathing as he walks on the palace of his roof. Now, remember this. He didn't go out there to scope out the babes. He just happens to see this woman bathing. She's very beautiful in appearance. And uh, the look turned to lust and the lust turned to longing and the longing turned to laying. As he called for this woman, he was told when he asked his attendants, who is that woman? They said that she is Bathsheba the wife of Uriah the Hittite. She's married, David. She is off limits, David. David, you have many wives and many concubines. Uh, Don't be looking at her. But David was fixated on her. He calls for her. They have a night of sin, and he sends her on her way. And then he finds out, lo and behold, she is pregnant, pregnant with his child. Now, Uriah the Hittite is David's friend. He's one of David's mighty men. When the scripture lists David's mighty men, Uriah the Hittite is there. Well, David has a problem on his hands because Uriah is fighting the king's battle battles, and David just had uh, sex with his wife, and she's pregnant, and Uriah is going to figure it out. Hey, this isn't my child. And so David calls Uriah back from the battle. He tries to get Uriah to spend the night with his wife so he'll think this baby is his baby. 
But Uriah has too much honor to do that. He says, I can't do that. I can't be with my wife and enjoy my wife when my brothers are, are fighting a battle. And so he wouldn't go see his wife. And so even David even got him drunk and he wouldn't do it. And so what happens? Uriah uh, won't go. And so David has to come up with another plan and he writes a note to Joab and he puts it in the hand of Uriah and he says, give this to Joab when you get back to the battle. And Uriah does. And the note said to Joab, put Uriah in the fiercest part of the battle and then have everyone withdraw from him. Just terrible. I mean, it's basically saying, I need to get Uriah killed. And that's what happens. And Joab obeys. And Uriah is killed by the swords of the enemy and the spears of the enemy. And David thinks, well, I solved the problem. And you read all about that in 1 Samuel chapter 12, or 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 11. And it says at the end, but the thing that David did was evil in the sight of the Lord. God saw all that he did. The eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. And David committed a terrible sin. And in chapter 12, the Lord sends Nathan the prophet to David and he calls him out and says, you are the man. And David says, I have sinned. And Nathan says, the Lord has taken away your sin. You shall not die, but you have unleashed devastation in your life because there are consequences to sin. You reap what you sow and there are consequences and those consequences hit his family big time. The sword shall never depart from your house, Nathan told David. And David had turmoil in his family from that day forward. Now, here's the thing with David. Not only did he have those consequences, but he had an issue with guilt because of what he did. For months and months and months, he had this unresolved guilt, and it was gnawing away at his conscience. And so David, when he finally gets right with God, he writes a psalm about it, or he actually wrote several Psalms, Psalm 51, Psalm 32, Psalm 38, he also talks about it. But in Psalm 32, he says this, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night, your hand, God, was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer, Selah. The Selah is, a, is kind of a musical notation. It means pause. And the Lord is saying by his spirit through David, hey, this is what happened to David because he was trying to cover up his sin. He was trying to push it uh, away and just lock it up in a closet and just pretend like it wasn't there. He was keeping silent about his sin. Did you know lots of Christians do that? They keep silent about their sin. They're like, okay, I did this terrible, horrible thing. Uh, I'm going to lock it away in the back recesses of my mind, out of sight, out of mind, but it's not. It might be out of sight, but it's not out of mind. In the play by William Shakespeare called Macbeth, Lady Macbeth committed and plotted murder and uh, so that her husband could become king. And in the play, she sleepwalks 
and she's trying to wash her hands. And, you know, she has that famous line, out damned spot, will these hands ever be clean? And she is uh, in her sleep. She's washing her hands uh, just, you know, as a pantomime, but she's trying to get the sin and the guilt off her hands and she cannot do it. She ends up in the play killing herself. She was so racked by guilt that she ended up killing herself. That's like Judas. He did the same thing. He was so eaten up with guilt and remorse. His conscience was so smitten that he said, the only way to silence the pain of this guilt is to kill myself. And I love what Adrian Rogers says about Judas. He says, wanting to escape the hell within him, he hanged himself and stepped into the hell before him. He couldn't escape because he uh, tried to deal with sin his way and not God's way. Hey, if you keep silent about your sin, you try and just cover it over, it's never going away. And it will gnaw at you. It will come back in the form of an ulcer. It will come back in the form of insomnia. You cannot deal with sin by just uh, masking the, uh, the, the symptoms. You know, I, I wrote a book years ago called Runaway Emotions, and the subtitle is this, Why You Feel the Way You Do and What God Wants You to Do About It. And on the front of the book cover is a smoke alarm. And it, the premise of the book is this, negative emotions, things that we don't like, guilt and embarrassment and worry and anger, those things, when they pop up in our lives, it's like a smoke alarm. Now, a smoke alarm in your home is there to warn you of a fire. It, when a smoke alarm goes off, it's a terrible noise. It's just this blaring noise. But when that goes off, that doesn't tell you, hey, go get a hammer and smash the smoke alarm. You'll stop all this blaring. No, it's, it's telling you, hey, you have a problem. You need, you, there's a fire somewhere. You need to put out the fire. If you put out the fire, you will uh, eliminate the smoke and the alarm will stop blaring. When it comes to negative emotions in our lives, those uh, negative emotions come in to tell us, hey, there's a fire somewhere, somewhere in your uh, physical, emotional, uh, mental, spiritual makeup. There is an issue somewhere that you need to deal with. The answer is not to uh, deaden the pain through drugs and alcohol. The answer is to find the fire and put the fire out. Well, David was having that same kind of experience. He, the, the alarm of guilt was blaring in his life. And he said, God's hand was on me day and night. It was heavy upon me. And it was, I felt like I'd been outside all day long. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And then he uses that word selah, which means pause, which means, hey, reader, know what I was experiencing. It was awful. It was horrible. And it was day after day after day after day. Guilt is a horrible, horrible emotion. And then David says, and this is how I found victory. Psalm 32, verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, 
I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And he uses the word again, Selah. Pause there. God forgave my sin. He forgave the guilt of my sin. The moment I confessed it, the moment I pulled it out of the closet and pulled it out of the shadows and brought that to him, and I was honest about, Lord, this is what I did, and this was horrible, and this was terrible, and this was so sinful and so awful. God, I'm ashamed to say that I did this, but I did. And I desperately need you to forgive me. And Lord, I believe that the blood of Jesus, your son, is more powerful than that sin and that you can wash me white as snow. As the scripture says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Whatever you've done, whatever I've done, if we'll bring it to the light, God's spirit and God and the blood of Jesus can wash it white as snow. We're talking about guilt in this broadcast today, and we know that God wants to bring deliverance to those who are struggling with guilt. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. This is Jan Markell, and next on Understanding the Times Radio, I talk to apologist Mike Gendron. If Pope Francis is the vicar of the New World Order, is he the greatest promoter of the coming global government? Is there a coming one world religion? And who might lead that? How can we reach Catholics with the gospel in these last days? That's next on Understanding the Times Radio. Saturday afternoon at 1 Central and Sunday afternoon at noon Central on American Family Radio. AFR is the voice of reason. American Family Radio's Spring share is April 19th through the 21st. An inspiring part of share is hearing how God is using American Family Radio. It's a lifeline for me during the day. Please take a moment to share how God has used AFR in your life. Call now at 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. 
Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. We're talking about the subject of guilt. David was guilty. David committed adultery, and David committed murder to cover up his adultery. And obviously, the things that David did, those were evil in the sight of the Lord. And David tried to keep silent about his sin, and that didn't work at all. It was crushing and ruining his life. But then he says in Psalm 32, verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you. What do we do when we sin as believers? When we sin, we blow it big time, and we're haunted by the ghost of guilt. Number one, we acknowledge our sin to God. We let the Lord know, Lord, this is what I did. We don't put lipstick on a pig. We don't try and make it sound better than it was. We say, God, this is it. This is all the ugly truth of what I did. I I wanted this thing. I, I let my flesh just take over and I went for it. And I knew it was wrong the whole time I did it. And I did it anyway. I acknowledge my sin to you. And then he says, my iniquity I did not hide. I, I'm, I'm sweeping the corners. I'm making sure everything is out of the shadows and uh, right there before the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Now, acknowledgement is important, but acknowledgement by itself is not enough. We must confess to the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... If we get that, that word confess in the New Testament, 1 John 1, 9, homo legeo, it means to say the same thing as God does. We say the same thing about our sin that God says about our sin. So it's not just, Lord, this is what I did, but Lord, this is what I did, and it was so wrong. And I agree with you, God, that this action of mine was sinful and wrong and terrible and horrible. God, not only did I break your law, but I broke your heart. And God, I am so sorry. And God, I turn from that sin. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's washed whiter than snow. It is taken away as far as the east is from the west. So far, God has removed our transgressions from us the moment we turn from them, the moment we acknowledge and confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, A-L-L, all 
unrighteousness. Now, here's what I see many Christians fail to do. They acknowledge their sin to God, yes. They confess their sin to God, but they don't believe that God has forgiven them, will forgive them. So they acknowledge and confess the same sin over and over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, every day, because they're haunted by the ghost of guilt. Oh, God, I'm so sorry of what I did last year. It was such a terrible, horrible sin. Oh, God, forgive me. And an hour later, oh, God, forgive me because of that terrible sin. And a day later, oh, God, I'm just so guilty over this sin. Oh, God, please forgive me. You're just confessing the same sin over and over and over again. You're not believing that God has forgiven you. So we acknowledge it, we confess it, and then we take God at his word as One preacher said uh, he was counseling uh, an individual racked with guilt and that person, and he asked him, have you confessed that sin to the Lord? He said, oh, I've confessed it a thousand times to the Lord. He said, well, that's your problem. You need not confess that sin a thousand times to the Lord. You need to confess it once to the Lord and thank him a thousand times for forgiving you believe what God says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you forgave, David said, the guilt of my sin. I often think about Luke 7, the prostitute who comes to Jesus and weeps at his feet. She is so broken over the sin in her life. Now, she had become a dirty plaything of dirtier men. And you you can just imagine, she's a prostitute. She's done terrible, horrible things. She weeps at the feet of Jesus. She wipes his feet with her hair. She anoints his feet with her costly perfume. Simon, the Pharisee, Jesus was at his home uh, dining when this happened. And Simon says, if this man were a prophet, he'd know what sort of woman this is that is touching him. Why would he let this woman touch him? She's, she's an immoral woman. She's a prostitute. She has cooties deluxe. And then Jesus said to him, I'm told him a little parable. Hey, a man had two debtors. One owned him 50 days wages, the other 500 days wages. He graciously forgave both. Which do you think will love him more? He said, I guess the one whom he forgave more. He said, that's right. He said, do you see this woman? She uh, was loved much because she was forgiven much. He said, she's anointed me with oil. You didn't do that. You're supposed to do that. That's the custom of the day. Uh, She washed my feet. You didn't wash my feet, which is the custom of the day. She dried my uh, feet with her hair, wetted my feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, anointed my feet. She has shown me a great honor. And she has, she who sinned greatly has been forgiven much. And then he says this to her. Your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He doesn't say go away in guilt, go away in shame. Hey, Hester Prynne, here's an A for your dress. You can put it on your your breast pocket, so to speak, and let everybody know you're an adulteress. He doesn't do that. He says, you're forgiven, and I want you to 
go away in peace. And I want you to know that your faith in me has saved you. And so you can have joy and you can have peace. Now, we need to receive that word from the Lord. Because if we do what the woman did and truly repent of our sins and turn from those sins and confess those to the Lord, he says the same things to us. Hey, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. How wonderful to know that we don't have to go away in guilt. We don't have to go away in shame. We don't have to go away in condemnation. We can go away and live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, in joy and in peace. We're talking about the subject of guilt. I would love to talk to you about this. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. Now, remember this about David. He found forgiveness in the Lord, and God forgave the guilt of his sin but he still had consequences with his sin. Those did not go away just because he got right with God. We do reap what we sow. But I have found this to be true because God is so good and God is so gracious and kind and compassionate. When we confess our sins, when we really get right with the Lord, we do experience the consequences, but God even minimizes those. They, they could be far worse than they were, but, but God in his grace and his mercy and his love and his compassion, I think he even minimizes those things. But we're going to uh, experience, if we live a life as believers, if we live a life where we're walking in the darkness, nothing good happens in the darkness. I mean, you you can have temporary uh, pleasures. Uh, Moses talked about the passing pleasures of sin, or it says in Hebrews that Moses chose ill treatment with the people of God rather than choosing the passing pleasures of sin. Sin has pleasure, but it's only for a season. It's only for a short season. And any time you leave the father's house, so to speak, like the prodigal son, you say, hey, I want to, I want to, you know, test my wings and, and do what I want to do. I want to live for uh, sin and self. Well, you're going to have some passing pleasure with that, but then you're going to have lasting pain. And that always, that decision always ends up in the same place. It always ends up in the pigsty. And you're going to wish that you had never left. As one lady told me who lived a life of sin and drugs and sex and, and just wanton pleasure, She came to the end of herself and she said, I hate my life. I hate my life. Well, I thought you were living it up. I thought you were drug, sex, and rock and roll, so to speak. She said, I hate my life because she was at the pigsty and it's miserable at the pigsty. It is wonderful at the Father's house. It's wonderful being right with God And the good news for all of us is we can be right with God. We can walk with God. We can enjoy his love and his peace and his compassion and his forgiveness. Remember when it comes to your sin, no matter what your sin is, it is not more powerful than the blood of Jesus. There is nothing you can do that God would say to you, well, I can't forgive that sin. You know, there's only one sin in the Bible that's called unforgivable, and that's the sin of rejecting Christ. 
If you reject the forgiver, then how can you be forgiven? But any other sin you and I commit, we can be forgiven as we come to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I've done. Oh God, have mercy on me. Oh God, forgive me. And God, thank you that you forgive even the guilt of my sin when I confess it and when I turn from it. We'll be taking your calls, 1-888-589-8840. So call in and let's talk. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. This is the sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of preborn. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as six weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free heartbeats for moms in crisis in America and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. And this time, there were three. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here sitting in for Dan Celia. We pray that God would put his healing hand upon Dan as he recovers from COVID pneumonia. We're talking about the subject of guilt, and I'd love to take your call, 1-888-589-8840. We have Geneva from Arkansas. Geneva, welcome to the broadcast today. Hello, Brother Jeff. Uh, (laughs) I just wanted to tell you that... uh, what really helped me when I was younger and, and I prayed over and over and over, you know, about it. I guess I felt so guilty inside. And one time I went to a, a pastor and I told him, I said, I, I believe what it says that he forgives me and everything, but I just, I just, I just have to keep asking him to forgive me. And he looked at me, he said, Geneva, you know what you're doing. He said, you're going into that closet and you're praying for the same thing. And God is saying, child, what are you talking about? That's been that's been taken care of. And when he told me that, that just really opened up. I think 
that really gave me a secure feeling, you know. Well, I Amen. wasn't doing that. So Amen. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, no, that is great. Yeah, we we uh, we confess our sin and we pray and we give that to the Lord. And then we say, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Now, here's the thing, too, Geneva. Your feelings won't match up with that right away because your feelings say, no, you're still guilty. No, this isn't enough. No, you should feel condemnation. The devil will pull out the billy club of guilt and try and beat you over the head with it. And so that's where faith comes in. We have to stand on the word of God and we say, well, what does the Lord say? Truth is not what you think. It's not what you feel. It's what God says. As the Lord told Peter in Acts chapter 10, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. And so we just stand in the truth and we say, I don't care what my feelings say. This is the truth. God says he has forgiven me. He says, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. And I'm going to do what the Lord says. So thanks so much for calling Geneva and sharing that. We have Sandra from Texas. Sandra, go ahead. You're on the broadcast today. Good morning. Good morning. I just want to, I just want to share something I've been doing a Bible study with a group of ladies in the book of Kings, both Kings, and there's a king named Manasseh who God said was the very worst king that Judah ever had. He did horrible things. God punished him by dragging him off to Babylon, and while he was in Babylon, he repented, and God put him back into kingship in Judah. If that man can be forgiven for the things he did, your sins can be forgiven for what you've done. Amen. Yeah, he is a great example, Old Testament example. You know, uh, most people believe that uh, under Manasseh, that is uh, how Isaiah died. He was put into a hollow log and cut in half. Uh, Manasseh had tremendous sins on his ledger, but he got right with God. He confessed those to God. And uh, there's nothing that God can't forgive. As we said earlier, the only sin in the Bible that's called the unpardonable sin is rejecting the forgiver, rejecting the Lord. So it would make sense. How can, how can God forgive you if you reject him, if you reject his forgiveness? And so any other sin that a man commits can be forgiven if we'll just confess it, turn from it, bring it to the Lord, and then enjoy his forgiveness and say, this is what you said, Lord, and this is how I'm going to live. I'm going to believe the truth of your word. Well, we have Karen from Ohio. Karen, welcome to the broadcast today. Thank you so much for being there. Um, great news about Dan recovering, uh, but this show today has been so important to me. My mother's in her late 80s. She has sins, lots of sins throughout her life, which she claims she has confessed, but she hates herself. Mm. She loathes herself, and she accuses everybody else of hating her. Mm. Um, and I, I suspected for a long time it's because she, she says she's asked for forgiveness, but she hasn't received it. I don't think. And now right. she's losing her um, mental capacity totally with the Alzheimer's. So mm. I'm concerned, like, I'm trying to figure out how can I help her 
to find forgiveness for herself and yes. accept the Lord. Because she is a Christian, but I don't think she can accept the Lord's forgiveness. Yes. And um, I just want to help her. I think about Paul, and, and I've mentioned this to her a lot of times, Mom, Paul was murdering the people who were trying to bring his gospel to the world. Paul was murdering Christians, and God not only forgave him, he sought him and changed his, his heart was changed. So I, you know, I need lots of prayers and any uh, suggestions I can get. Yes, I appreciate that, Karen. That's a great uh, question, and that's a heartbreaking situation for sure, especially with her starting to lose her memory uh, with Alzheimer's. Um, Obviously, pray for her and that God would open her eyes to the truth and open her mind to the truth. And to, to, you know, as you're sharing that about Paul, I mean, Paul says he's the chief of sinners, and uh, he never lost the fact that this is what I did before, and God has forgiven me for that. And he was blown away by God's grace. He, he was saved, and he never got over it. We don't ever need to get over the, the joy of our salvation. And so I would just keep lovingly reiterate to this woman uh, the blood of Jesus. There is nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. We need to stop uh, elevating our sin over the blood of God's Son and saying, well, yeah, but he can't forgive this. Yes, he can. And the moment that you confess and believe, I would share the story of the prostitute because this lady might have something in her past that is uh, some kind of sexual sin. There's something about sexual sin that really defiles us. Every other sin a man commits is outside the body, as the scripture says, but the immoral man sins against his own body. And so if there's an abortion in her past, if there's um, you know terrible, horrible sexual sin in her past where she just hates herself, uh, as the poem says, I have to live with myself and so I want to be fit for myself to know. I want to be able as the days go by to look myself straight in the eye. I don't want to stand with the setting sun and hate myself for the things that I've done. She hates herself over the things that she has done, and she needs to know, hey, God doesn't hate you. God loves you. Jesus died for that sin. He wants you to experience the joy and peace of his forgiveness. So continue to pray for her and continue to share God's love with her. And uh, we'll be praying too, Karen, about that, that God would use you to minister to her. So thanks so much for calling. We have uh, Susan from South Carolina on the line with us. Susan, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Um, this this is really touching my heart today because um, my son was shot and killed on the 29th of January. And um, my daughter's having such a hard time because she's afraid that her brother wasn't saved. But I know that my son had asked for forgiveness and he had been baptized. And even though he wasn't living, he had, he had a drug addiction. Um, it was, uh, you know, I know he told me he was saved. I had asked him the month before if he was saved. But the boy that killed Michael, he called me Sunday and he was crying and he begged me to forgive him. And he told me he would do anything if he could give my son back to me. But I told him, I said, 
because I'm a Christian, I have to forgive you because Jesus forgave me. And, you know, so many of my family members, are, are they don't understand that, that I have to forgive him. And it's really hard to know what to say. Mm. I am so sorry, Susan, for what happened to your son. And my heart just goes out to you and to your family. Uh, that's just horrible. But you're exactly right. Um, we, I mean, the scripture makes it clear. If God has forgiven us so great a debt, how can we not forgive others? Uh, the story of the man that owed 10,000 talents and, and refused to forgive. Uh, the Lord says, I forgave you the 10,000 talents. How can you not forgive this other who owed you 100 days wages? And uh, we have to forgive by faith. It's not by feelings because our feelings probably won't match up with that. And so we forgive by faith and we just say, Lord, I, I'm choosing to not hold this against this person anymore. Corey Ten Boom likened forgiving others to a big church bell. She said, you know, those big church bells had the rope and the, the bellman would pull this big rope, you know, the, the old movie, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, he would pull that rope. And when he pulls that rope, the big bell starts to swing and then it starts to ring. And forgiveness is letting go of the rope. Now, the, the feelings are the ringing of the bell and the feelings won't go away just because by faith you let go of the rope. But eventually that rope, if you let go of that bell, eventually, if you let go of the rope, will stop ringing. And so by faith, we say, Lord, this is what you command me to do. You said, if I won't forgive uh, those who, who wound me, then you won't forgive me. I can't have a relationship with God if I choose to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. And so, Susan, I just commend you for your uh, willingness and your faith to say, I, I have to forgive him. And the other thing, too, is pray for that guy. He's he no doubt racked with guilt and pray for him that God would bring good out of something that is terrible and tragic, that that guy's life would be dedicated to Christ as a result of what happened. Well, thank you for calling, Susan, and we're praying for you. Thank you so much for being with us today as we talked about the subject of guilt. And let me just leave you with this. The psalmist says, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. God bless you. May you live today in peace and joy as you walk with Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.